In a moment, Shabu's going to come and speak to us from John chapter 14, the first 14 verses. So why don't you grab a Bible, because we're going to look at that together now. So we're at John chapter 14 and the first 14 verses. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also, and you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and that the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in thee, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Well, good morning, church. Uh, if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, welcome to Canterbury Gardens Community Church. My name is Shabu. I have the great privilege to be one of the pastors here. It's an interesting time because if you asked me a few months ago, uh, at any point in my life, and someone asked the question, do you think you would ever pre-record a sermon, I would most probably say no. Well, things have changed, haven't they? You would have heard the verses read out to you on what we're going to be reflecting on. If you're just joining us for the first time, we as a church have been journeying through and considering the truths in the Gospel of John. Uh, maybe you're for the first time, you're actually exploring who this Jesus is because of all the things that are going on in this world at the moment. You have actually come at a very good time this morning to consider who Jesus is. And we're up to uh, John chapter 14. And we're just going to take our time through these verses for the next 20 minutes or so. Uh, so would you join with me in praying? And we'll dive right into it. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this time uh, today. Uh, I thank you that uh, as we're listening, as we're watching as we're considering that you're with us, you're in every single lounge room, in every single home. Lord Jesus, I pray and ask that you would use uh, this time, this morning, to cause our hearts to be still, to reflect on who you are. In your name, Amen. My well, friends, I guess this morning what I want us to consider is really this one big idea. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That it is about Him. As we've been exploring, uh, one of the most 
significant sections in the Gospel of John, we've been seeing that Jesus now is preparing to head to the cross. Uh, he's about to head to the cross to die for the sins of the world, and he's actually now been quite um, deliberate in taking time to invest into his disciples. And that's what John is recording for us in this Gospel. He's been explaining to them in the previous verses that he's leaving them. And Jesus has actually even confronted one of his disciples, Peter, uh, who said that he would even die for him. And Jesus says to him, well, actually, Peter, you're going to deny me. So if you can just imagine this room that they're in, this place that they're in, the, the feast that they're having, it's a quite an interesting time. The, the room would have been filled with a lot of questions, and you see that in the next few verses. They're wondering what Jesus is talking about. Uh, there's a lot of things going on. And I think Jesus really senses this. And that's why in John 14, verse 1, he says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have not told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself. Where I am also, you may be also. You know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where we are going. How can we know the way? See, in this moment, uh, Jesus wants the disciples then, and I think even for us today, to say, hey, trust. Trust in God. And actually, when you trust in God, you're actually trusting in Him, in Jesus. Now, the kind of language here, this is not Jesus rebuking His disciples. He's not having a go at them. And he's not saying, oh, come on, guys. It's actually quite tender. This tone is so tender and he's saying, hey guys, don't be troubled. I mean, you know what? He outlines for them the benefits of why he should go and what will happen if he goes. See, Jesus points to something that is coming ahead. Jesus is pointing to his disciples, to what is to come to every disciple. Home, an eternal home. This language of the Father's house is referring to heaven, of course. And in this language of many rooms, is Jesus is saying there's this huge dwelling. And in this huge dwelling, there are many rooms that are there for the disciples like of Jesus. And it's a beautiful picture, friends. So this is what waits for anyone who's a disciple of Jesus. Other parts of the Bible, and you can look this up later if you want, uh, in the Gospel, like in Luke and in 1 Corinthians, this is where they use language of eternal dwellings. But Jesus makes it very clear who's the head of this home. It is Father. It is God Himself. It's a beautiful picture, really, because what the kind of picture I think Jesus is driving at is not just about there is heaven, it's a home where God the Father is, where the people are now under his loving care and his loving authority in eternity. Friends, if you are a follower of Jesus, this is what awaits us. So the question for you and for me, even today, is our hearts troubled? i got to confess to you guys, my heart has been very troubled in the last week or so with lots of things going on. And it's important for us to consider where our true home is, where our eternal home is. 
and you know what? Here I am uh, at my parents' place uh, doing the sermon, uh, doing a few other things, and we're kind of, in a sense, stuck. We're stuck in a home, in a temporary home, and we feel like things are squishing in on us. We hear about the virus and the constant spread of it and the loss of life. We're now starting to hear, or maybe even in our own church family, of people losing their job. We're also hearing of the realities of loved ones passing away and we're not able to be there with them, to care for them, to love them. We also know that there are loved ones feeling quite isolated at the moment. We'd love to just go over and hug them. And then there are those of us who right now are in the front lines as this pandemic happens. The question we have is, is our hearts troubled? You know, it'd be very weird if our hearts weren't troubled, I think. Uh, It would seem very strange. But the question is, where do we go when our hearts are troubled? Who do we take it to? Here in this moment, Jesus is saying, hey, don't let your hearts be troubled. Turn your gaze away for what's going on. Yes, turn your gaze away because something better waits for you. It's to give us a picture that there's this home waiting for us, that there's no more trouble. A place where there is no sin, a place where death itself does not exist, a place that has rest. And this is what Jesus wants his disciples to remember. There's a reason why Jesus is saying it's good for him to leave, even though for them, they're thinking, this is not a good idea. Why should you leave? You're our Messiah. You're our rabbi. You're our teacher. So Jesus says, no, that's good because guess what? There's something better coming. And friends, that's a reminder for you and I today as well. Yes, this is all temporal and all the things that are happening are bad. But if we also need to be reminded as disciples of Jesus, that Jesus has something better for us. Eternity with him. An eternal home with the Father. Now, if you are someone who's skeptic about all of this, maybe you're a doubter. Friend, I have a question for you. Are you troubled? If you're not troubled, man, you're doing better than I am, to be honest. Uh, You must be troubled in some way as you see the things that are going on. Often I hear in Australian culture, one of the latest phrases is, oh, we'll be right, we'll be right. Another way of saying might be, hey, I'm actually not right, but I don't want to tell you that I'm not all right. I'm actually quite troubled. Friends, you know, it makes sense that you're troubled. Christians get troubled too. I want you to know, we at Canberra Gardens want to say to you, there's actually a remedy to that for your heart so that you don't feel troubled, so that your heart is focused on something more than what's here on this world. But you know what? I've got to be honest with you. What I'm about to say is quite exclusive. Jesus does offer a remedy for the trouble to your heart, but what he offers is pretty upfront and and, and very real and quite exclusive. See, in the verses after, Jesus says this, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. 
Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long? You still do not know me? Philip, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. Believe in me and I am the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the work themselves. Now friends, there's a lot there. This is a powerful statement by Jesus. Uh, if you've been following the series in John, one of the verses that we keep on repeating over and over again is this, that the reason why it was written, why this gospel was written, is that people will know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And by believing in Him, you and I can have life. See, the idea of Jesus saying that He is the way, He's actually just saying very clearly that He's the one way to the Father. It's another, another very significant moment and a significant comment by Jesus. See, it's a striking comment. See, for, for the Jewish audience at the time and they're listening in, they would have thought, well, okay, for me to have access to Yahweh, to, to God, let alone be considered calling him Father, it's a pretty powerful statement by Jesus. He, they had to understand they don't have access. They're not able to go there. The only way they have access in some sense is through the Levitical priest. And even the Levitical priests could only go there through uh, certain moments and certain festivals. And there was this huge curtain that blocked off the most holiest of holiest places where they believed God's presence dwelt. Jesus says, well, I am the way. Meaning, it's through me. It's a statement to say that very clearly you can't make your own way to get to God. If you want to kind of fast forward to today, being good will not make you get to God. Let alone if you say, well, I don't really care about God. That won't even itself get you to God. Listening and watching someone on YouTube on a pre-recorded message won't get you to God. Any kind of human intention or even invention to make us think that we will get to God will not get us to God. Did you know even conquering the virus will not get us to God. Jesus says it's only through him. He's the one who gives or an all access pass to the Father. So the question I have for you and for me today is, how are we getting to God? I mean, how am I and how are you trying to get to God? And this is why Jesus continues to say that he is the way, but he is also the truth. Now, this is a significant statement by Jesus again. These have allusions again to Old Testament kind of writings. It's to say that everything that he speaks itself is truth, but meaning that he, all the truth is now being fulfilled in Jesus. You saw that in the early chapter in John 1, where John actually says, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth that comes through Jesus Christ. So Jesus is revealing who God is, that in this moment, whenever he speaks, whenever he does or says anything in itself, he's saying that he is the truth. He's revealing this is true. And everything that he says is true because he is the truth equal to God. And that means we can take his word. And everything that he says is so good and so true. And everything has a purpose because ultimately it reveals who God is. Friends, 
that question then means for you and I, what kind of truths are we listening to today? I mean, what kind of truths are we listening to this week? See, Jesus is asking for you and I to focus on him as the truth. The one who always and continues to reveal only what is true, only what is good. And that might be in seasons of great trial. That might be in seasons of great abundance. That might be in seasons of great weeping and lamenting. And that might be in seasons of great joy. Because he is the truth. And finally, Jesus declares that he is the life. <sighs> Take a deep breath there for a moment. Life. Life, that word, is a very precious word, I feel like, even more than ever in this moment in history. See, Jesus is saying in this moment that he is that fulfillment, those promises that has brought life into a world that is dying. This is the life that scripture has been speaking of and now has been shown and declared in Jesus that he is the life. This is actually what's something that John already spoke of in John chapter 1 again, where he says, All things were made through him, that is Jesus, that without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and life was the light of men. See, Jesus is declaring very clearly for you and I to have real life, true life. We need to look to him because he is the life and he does offer life. He offers eternal life to those who are willing to put their trust in him. To these very statements that Jesus makes has the very first kind of statement of I am. He's declaring very exclusively that he is God and there is no other way to enter the very presence of the Father, to enter in the eternal home, begins by having a relationship with Him. It's only through Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. You know what, Christian friends, this, these words are to Jesus' disciples, His followers. And that's a good reminder to you and I. Are we following Jesus and His ex exclusive and true statements? Or are there other truths or other ways that are infiltrating into our lives that are trying to take over our hearts as disciples of Jesus? Friends, the call then is for you and I to remember his words again. And friends, if you're someone who's exploring the Christian faith, you know what? This is the reality for all of us, including myself. You and I have said, ultimately, we are the way the truth and the life. These verses remind you and I, no, that's not true. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. He's the only one. So we want to invite you to consider this truth, see? Now, I, I'm honest, I hope you're hearing me here and hopefully you hear my honesty in this, that Jesus is very exclusive. He demands that because of who he is. You know what? You and I can't work our way to God because there's a reality. And that reality is what Christians call sin. Uh, sin is much more than just the swear word and um, what you might think sin might be. Sin ultimately says to God, no, I will be God. 
In other words, we say, we want to be the I am. We want to be the truth. We want to be the life. You know what? That statement of I am has already been taken. It's owned by Jesus. It describes him. There's only one I am. That is Jesus Christ. And this is what he's maybe even saying to you this morning as you listen to this message. That he's asking you to consider to turn away from your own way, your own life, to turn to him. The one who says that he is the way, the truth and the life. Would you consider that this morning? And then after these verses, Jesus says, well, friends, look away from yourselves again. Friends, in these verses, uh, what Jesus is saying, that Jesus himself, because of who he is, that he is the I am, the way, the truth and the life, that he is God, he's equal to God. And that's why he speaks of this language that him and the Father are one. In other words, he's saying, um, you know, like this past week, I was walking through the shops and it was quite surreal because uh, as you're walking through the supermarket, everyone's trying to social distance. It's just this weird space. And then the song that comes through the speakers is, what was God was one of us. Sorry about the singing there. That's going to be on YouTube forever. That's going to go well for me. <laughs> But that song was playing. It was this weird, strange feeling. And you, you just could sense people are going, what is going on here? But the thing is, it's not about trying to imagine. Jesus knows what it means to be both God and human. But in this moment, if you want to know what God is like, Jesus is saying, look to him. Jesus is saying, listen to my words. Because in doing so, you are seeing the Father, because Jesus and the Father are one. This is important for us to consider. This reminds us why Jesus is so exclusive. He's none like any other gods that's ever existed, those false gods. Because Jesus himself is the one and only true God. Now Jesus wants to explain some more further these truths. What he's moved now is from explaining who he is, now he pushes his disciples further away from looking at themselves and looking outwardly. He says in verse 12, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in you. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. This is a really powerful teaching moment by Jesus. Uh, I don't know if you picked that up. If you see that in these moments, the disciples, if you look previous verses and in the verses after, they're quite caught up in themselves. There's a lot of navel gazing going on. And Jesus is saying, hey, listen up. If you believe in me, you have a mission. He's saying you have work to do. Not only that, he makes this very powerful statement. He says, not only is there works for you to do, the works that you will do will be much greater than my works. Let that settle in for a little bit. See, in these passages, Jesus is saying in regards to the works that he's talking specifically in this context, I think he's saying both the words that were spoken, the miracles that were done, and the actions, and the teachings that he gave, He's talking about that work. He's saying, hey, you guys are going to do this work. And, and not only that, you'll do greater works. 
What's Jesus trying to get at here? Well, my thought is this. He's calling his disciples, like I said, to move away from gazing at themselves, rather to get on with the mission that's in front of them, the work that is there to do, the work that will be needed to be done after he's risen on the third day, after he ascends to heaven. This is the call to mission now. They don't fully get it yet, but that's what he's doing. He's inviting his disciples live a particular lifestyle, to live the lifestyle that he's modeled for them. Now I want to pause here for a moment because when we read this, we all come with our own little kind of, um, I guess, um, preferences is probably the better way to put it. Uh, there may be some of us straight away, we look at, oh, let's just focus on all the miracles that Jesus did. That means that I can do exactly the same thing. Uh, there are some of us who will focus on just the work bit, you know, um, forgiving, washing feet, all those kind of things. Now, friends, wherever you end up landing, please don't miss the point of what I think Jesus is trying to get at. He's trying to get to this point. He's saying, hey, firstly, remember he started? He said, believe in God, believe in me. And then he explains about this eternal home that's waiting for them. He explains to them very clearly that he's the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. And then he explains how him and the Father are one. He set all that foundation for them. And then with that, he says, there's essential work for you guys to do based on the essential truths. And what is that essential truth? Did you see that? Because of the truth that he's going to the Father. Now, let me see that. Let me read that again to you. Let me see if I can explain that. Because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. See, all of this understanding of mission and, and going forward really ultimately hinges on one very key thing. It's all on Jesus. It's not on us as his disciples. It's Jesus who says yes. It's Jesus who says no. It's Jesus who says not yet. See, as the story continues beyond John, we know that this is true because any greater work that anyone does than our Savior's work, any greater work than what Jesus did is dependent on the power that Jesus provides through his Holy Spirit. This is why Jesus says it's good for him to go to the Father. If Jesus hadn't gone to the Father, if he wasn't risen from the dead, this would be absolutely pointless. See, if we, if you and I try to do um, this work in our own wisdom, in our own strength, okay, it might be all right. But Jesus is showing again, there's a particular posture that he's looking for. It's a posture of dependence that says, Jesus, I need your help. Please, would you glorify yourself? This is why we are so dependent on him. And so we ask and when we're dependent on him, he will do it according to his greater purpose and will. Yet for us to gain all of this, we need to understand something. We need to come back and step back to this reality that Jesus had to be the one, although he is the way, the truth and the life, was willing to leave his heavenly home to come into this world, to be restricted, to be isolated to be put in a particular place, a particular time in history as a one who is 
God, the one who is with one with the Father, was willing to go to the cross, was willing to be silent as lies were proclaimed about him. And even in the moment of the most excruciating pain and suffering, he always spoke truth. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Then he was willing to exchange his life so that you and I can have eternal life. You know what that means? If you know Jesus, he has indeed gone to the Father. He is indeed risen. But you know what that means? Friends, you and I have work to do. Don't we have work to do more than ever in 2020 here in Melbourne, Victoria, in Kilsyth, in this season that God has called us to exist in, to a world that desperately needs to be confronted to the truth, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And friend, if you don't, if you're someone who doesn't know Jesus, we plead with you this morning to give up on your own truth and submit to the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. Because your way and your truth and your life is leading you to much trouble. Jesus offers you so much greater. He offers you eternal life. And then when he comes into your life, he doesn't just wait for you to come to heaven. He has work for you to do today. Join with his work. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for who you are. That you are the way, the truth, and the life. Would you shape us and shape our lives in this season based on that truth? Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters, my church family who I dearly miss. Would you encourage us to keep looking to you? We pray this in your name. Amen.